some short scriptures this morning. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and the verse 11 down to verse 13. These familiar verses quoted often in our prayer meetings put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. I want you to notice the number of times the word against, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take on to you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Turn over to the Old Testament, to Deuteronomy, please, if you have your Bibles. If you haven't, I would like you to refer to these scriptures later. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and the verse 9. The Lord spoken, speaking through Moses. Verse 9 of Deuteronomy 18. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of these nations. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his sons or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divinations or an observer of times, or an enchanter or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. That's someone who is in touch with the dead. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God does drive them out from before thee. A few pages over to our reading, Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. And verse 1, this great story of the crossing the Jordan. We have been here for many weeks. And we're at chapter 6 and verse 1 this morning. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. We are not the first to experience lockout or lockdown. That's what's happening here in this verse. They're in behind the walls. They're not coming out and there's nobody going in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty man of valor, men of valor. See the way the Holy Ghost Starts with the king, Jericho, the city, and the king, 
I'm the mighty man of valor. And ye shall come past the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shall you do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. On the seventh day ye shall come past the city seven times. That's thirteen times altogether. And shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And we know that the Lord will bless to us the public reading of his word to our hearts this morning. Countless sermons Books, hymns, and children's stories have been preached, written, sung, and told about this miraculous historical event of the children of Israel whenever they crossed over the Jordan. Most believers are au fait and familiar with the white-robed priests carrying the ark on their shoulders, the blasting of the trumpets of the ram's horn, the marching round and round the city, and the collapsing of the walls of Jericho. It's not my intention this morning to repeat or review or rehearse things that you already know but hidden deep within these verses and hidden deep within the story is a truth and a doctrine that is rarely brought to the surface by modern preachers or by modern writers. Hiding and lurking and cowering behind these walls are satanical forces, demonic powers, and wicked spirits. And that's why I read the scriptures that we read. God says, because of this, I will cast you out. If we miss these truths, it will be very difficult to rejoice in the victory of the crossing of the Jordan and the taking of Jericho. Our adversary Satan, the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, is the supreme officer commanding the Canaanite forces. The Canaanites were the most evil and most wicked of the seven nations that held the land. And until they could be dislodged and driven out, they couldn't make any headway in to deal with the rest. And just as the Lord Jesus Christ, as we saw last week, declared himself to be to Joshua the captain and the prince, 
of the host of God. This battle for Jericho is a battle between the devil and God. My friend, the whole land of Canaan and Israel in the Israel, modern Israel today, the whole battle is a spiritual battle. It's not a battle between two nations or Jews or Gentiles. It's a battle between heaven and hell. And the battle that we are in this morning and is very often, not very often referred to is a battle of the demons and powers of hell against the church in this, these last days. This preaching is not popular preaching because we will not face the fact that we're facing an ungodly, wicked foe way beyond every, everything else. It is a battle between good and evil, God and the devil, Light and darkness, error and truth. In Ephesians 6, we read those verses. In verse 12, in particular, listen to it again. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places, five times in verse 12, and once in verse 11, six times, we have the word against. Now that word against is to stand in conflict and face the foe. Paul says it's a wrestling match. We wrestle. And when you wrestle with somebody, you're up close to them. And I'm bringing you this morning up close to the demonic powers that are working in the lives of many of God's people and in many churches that we don't recognize or even know. So I pray this morning that God will speak to us. While there's five times we have the word against, there are five things that we are against in the verse, in the verses. Principalities and powers and rulers and darkness and wickedness. And that's why I read in Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 12. Moses says, behind the walls of Jericho were these evil forces of darkness and witchery and wizardry going on behind. The nation from the king down was infested with demonology, sorcery, immorality, adultery. It was a cesspool of iniquity. And it had come up into the very nostrils of God. And the wrath of God is upon this nation, the Canaanites. And the clock is ticking for them. The clock is ticking and the clock always ticks against the enemies of God and the enemies of Israel. And I can say to you this morning that the clock's ticking 
against China, and the clock's ticking against Russia, and against Iran, and all are all going to be drawn one day by the mighty hand of God into the plains in the valley of Mekido, where God will wipe them out and annihilate them because the judgment of God is upon them. The worst sin of the Canaanites. Now you hear me this morning. Let me tell you the worst sin of the Canaanites is a sin that's going on today big time in our land. My friend, if we don't go down into the depth of these truths, we cannot rejoice in victory. Now they're here in our battles and our battles in our churches and in our land and for revival unless we are able to dislodge these powers of darkness. The worst sin of the Canaanites was the sacrifices of the children. The god of Moloch was the sun god. And almost every morning, babies and children were sacrificed to the god of Moloch. The wee babies were taken and they were set on a hot red plate underneath a statue. And a band was there every time and struck up the music to drown the cries of the child. And their bones were taken and they were burnt. That is only one of the sins. And that is one of the grieving sins that grieved the heart of God over the nation of the Canaanites. God loves the children. Jesus loves the children. And he said it would be better for a millstone to be hung round the neck of any man that will touch one of them. Don't you wonder this morning at the attack of the enemy against our young people and their children. The devil's target was always slay the babe. Let it be the pharaohs or let it be the herods who went after the Moses and the Jesus. Or let it be, my friend, let it be the young convert or the young church. The devil hates and his, his motto is slay. Slay the babe. So don't you wonder this morning and don't you sympathize this morning that when these walls collapsed that the 600,000 soldiers that was with Joshua went in and ripped them apart and destroyed them and wiped them out. Don't you sympathize one bit with them? And don't you sympathize one bit with our nation this morning that as I speak are doing the very same thing with the children. They're sacrificing them on the altars of expediency and politics. And there's a day of judgment coming. And they're in behind the walls of crematoriums. My friend, every day and every hour children are crying and they're taking them out of the mother's womb with pain. 
They have to cut some of them up to get them out and cut them alive. Let me say from the heart of God this morning, they can put on all the professional mourning faces that they like when they talk about COVID-19 deaths. They're hypocrites. And I'll go further than that. They're, they're, they're worse than that. They're liars and murderers. The nation's murdering children. This is demonic powers in our land. And judgment will come. As well as the burnings. As well as the sodomy and the adultery. And the infidelity. What went on behind these walls was what the New Testament calls bewitchery, sorcery, enchantments, and witchcraft. They had daily communications with the devil. They could know what was happening in the camp of Israel. Behind the gates and behind the bars and behind the walls. And I say behind the gates and the bars and the walls of hell this morning, there are hordes of demons. Hordes of evil emissaries working at the behest of Satan. Starting rows in your home. Setting your children on fire with lust. And drink and madness, and confusion, and delusion. Where do you think it comes from? And the church this morning, full of confusion, full of delusion, full of division. And the reason is that the majority of us don't believe in unseen forces. And unseen demons and spirits. We don't, my friend, even believe in them. Sure, some of God's people don't even believe in the Holy Spirit and its power. The power to heal and the gifts of the Spirit. There's no surprise if we don't believe in the whole power and work of the Holy Ghost, how we would believe in demonic power. Unseen powers, I say to you this morning, are working. Full out. When the Lord Jesus came the first time, every demon, every imp in hell tackled him. They came out from behind every bar and every gate and every window. They confronted and assaulted him in the synagogues, in the streets, in the mountains, on the sea. And when he's coming near, coming the last time as he is now, they're busy and they're attacking all around it. You needed to be in the Maui last Sunday night to see the, the demonic power working through a young man. We have to awaken up to these facts, my friend, that they're entrenched around us. And the normal meetings and the normal missions and the normal prayer meetings are not dealing with them. Whenever Paul speaks about the wiles of the devil, he spoke about the methods and the schemes and the and the and, and, and the plies of the devil, the plies of the devil. You see, the devil has 
and the demons have different methods and different schemes at different times and different ways and different churches and different people. He has demons for different things. There's a demon of suicide. There's a demon of adultery. There's a demons of fornication. There's demons of sodomy. There's hordes of demons attacking behind the scenes. And that's where the devil loves to be, behind the walls. He'll not come out in the open. And he'll have us blame on our wife. He'll have us blame on our husband. He'll have us blame on the children. He'll have us blame on the pastor. And all behind is the demonic power. Friend, we need to face this. This message didn't come easy to me. We need to face it. Whenever a man or woman comes under conviction to get saved, the devil can hinder them, but he can't stop them. And whenever the Holy Ghost begins to deal with a sinner and the Holy Ghost begins to draw, oh, Satan will put up all sorts of things to keep that man and woman back from getting saved, but he can't stop them. But you know, once we get saved, he, he can stop us from going on in to get the blessing and to get the victory and to get the power and to get the joy and to get the filling of the Holy Ghost. He can stop us and does and is. You see, he has so many devices, so many ways of working, and you have got to go back to the early church to see it. The first weapon that he used in the early church was mockery. Whenever they come out of the upper room, they say, those fools, they're drinking all night in the upper room, they're drunk, they're full of new wine. And by the way, Paul refers, and other scriptures refers to the Holy, a man filled with the Holy Spirit as the way as to come out of the upper room till a drunken man. And we haven't time to show you the equations this morning, but I have often preached on them here. You know, a drunken man, a drunken man, I knew men round from man and they wouldn't open their mouth that hardly talked to you till they got drunk and then that couldn't stop them from talking. Another man filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll not stop him talking from God, to God. You'll not keep him from the prayer meeting. He'll want to talk to God. Another thing about a man filled with the Holy Spirit and compared with a drunk man, he, he's generous. Hard and tight and give you nothing, man, dear, in their ordinary day, but let them, some of them get full of drink and they'll pour the money out to you. God's children, my friend, God, God fills a man with the Holy Ghost. He'll give his life. He'll give us all. He'll give everything to God. There's a difference. But anyway, the first attack on the early church was the attack of mockery. The second one was money. He's working the same plies today. Adonias and Sapphira sold the property and lied to the Holy Ghost and halted the blazing move of the early church until they were taken out. The third one was murder. In Acts chapter 7, when Stephen plunged the sword of the Spirit into their hearts and into their lives, they plunged the stones at Stephen and murdered him. But the last one, friend, listen, the last one 
is the one that's so prevalent today. Mimicry. Mimicry. Acts 8. Simon the sorcerer joined up with the early church. He says, I want to get saved. I want to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I want the power that you have. I want to be able to cast out demons. And everybody believed him until a man filled with the Holy Ghost recognized that he was a liar. Peter says, thy money perish with thee. Thy heart is full of wickedness. And you're in the bond of iniquity. You see, Jesus says, if possible, in the last days, he'll deceive the very elect. I believe it is possible. I believe that it's possible he's deceiving the elect of God's people today. There's only one way to drive out this enemy. There's only one way to remove him who is entrenched and embedded in the ranks of the church and amongst God's people. And that is to do what Joshua did. Lie at the feet of Jesus and surrender all to him and say, Lord, I can't fight this battle. Lord, I can't do anything to remove the powers of hell that are against us. And that situation and that Jericho wall of mine, I can't bring it down, my friend, and neither you can. And whatever your Jericho wall is this morning, let me tell you, the devil will back it up every time he gets a chance. And he'll come in behind those thoughts of yours and he'll try to discourage you. And he'll lie to you and he'll deceive you. And he'll tell you about your health and he'll tell you about your family. Whatever your Jericho walls are this morning, my friend, they can come down and they will come down and they must come down. As I'll show you before we end that we have no need to be thrown about by the demons and the powers of hell when we have a saviour. If the... If the the Lord Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead to birth the dead church. If we fall down at the face of the Lord and acknowledge, Lord, I can't do it. Lord, I'm useless, I'm worthless, I'm base and I'm foolish and I'm not and I'm despised and I'm weak. No, God, I can't handle this. And these powers are greater powers than us. Lord, I need your help. Then the Lord will come. Then the Lord will come. The works of the enemy will be made transparent. Boy, I tell you, when we get into prayer meetings where we're praying in the Spirit, let me tell you that the Lord, and that's the place the Lord will reveal, will reveal the dark spirits of hell that are against us. It's time to take off the swaddling clothes. It's time to don this armor. Wasn't it Leonard Ravenhill said that the church of Jesus Christ is not a nursery, it's an armory. We're in a fight. We're in a battle. Pastor out there this morning. Minister out there this morning. Missionary out there this morning. Worker out there this morning. This is a battle. Whether in it or we're out of it. Whether dead in sin or dead to sin. 
The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. You know, we hear so much preaching on the saints of God, and that's good. We hear so much preaching on the servants of God, that's great. We hear a lot of preaching about the sheep of God, that's good. But we don't often hear many messages preached on the soldier. The soldier. And if ever we needed to hear messages preached on warfare and armory and taking up the sword of the Spirit and going forth to defeat the enemy, it's this hour, this day that we live in. I know this morning that I'm preaching to a wider congregation than in this car park. And if I can reach and touch a man or a woman or two or three this morning to get on fire for God, then this message that I have wrought all week over will be something accomplished for God. Is it not honest? If we're honest this morning, and I know that many of you don't like this preaching this morning because you don't like being annoyed, and, and we don't like facing the truth, but we must face the truth and the facts. What are we saved for? Do we not face the facts this morning? The meetings, the missions. Oh, we need more. We need another mission. We don't need another mission. We need repentance in the church. Meetings and missions and DVDs and CDs and tracks and conferences and entertainment and praise nights and testimonies are all have their place. But my friend, they're not winning the battle. Now the word of God never said that they would win the battle. The word of God says we wrestle up face to face with the demonic powers in prayer and intercession and supplication, the driving out. That's why I am glad in my heart that this fellowship has three prayer meetings being sustained in the week and that there are men and women who have come to them who believe what I'm preaching this morning that we need something more, something more in the fellowships of God's people. Two Salvation Army women were in a very difficult, inhospitable place doing meetings one time and they were there for weeks and they contacted General Booth and they said, Mr. Booth, we have tried everything. They wrote him a letter and said, we have tried everything. He wrote a letter back and there was two words in it. Try tears. Try tears. Try tears. Now as I come to a close, I'm making a special call this morning to pastors, to ministers, to workers. And I say from a heart that has wept over this message, I say, when did we last weep over the state of the church? When did we last push the battle to the gates and weep and cry and howl and mourn? They're all scripture words between the porch and the altar and laid hold of God for a lukewarm laid to see in church. Jesus says, 
the church of this hour, this day in which we live in. He got rid of all the crowds and he came to one man. He says, if there's one man, God wondered that there was no intercessor. He's looking for not big crowds. He's looking for a remnant. He's looking for men. If any man, he says they're miserable and wretched and poor and blind and naked. Let me say something might hurt some of you this morning. I can tell you that fellow cursing and swearing and pulling the microphones out of our hands in the moy on, on Sunday night. God thinks more of them than he does of a carnal Christian. It's not the worldly man, it's not the evil man, it's not the ungodly man, it's not the son of man. That's nature to their sinful nature. It's not that that makes them sick, it's not those that pew out. He spews out the lukewarm Christian. Miserable and wretched and poor and blind and naked. I will spew you out, you're never cold and hot. God, my friend, God hates lukewarmness. Makes them sick. I, I prayed daily. I said, Lord, whatever makes you sick, make me sick. Lukewarmness. Looking for a man. God, the Lord, was looking for a man. Jeremiah was looking for a man. He went through the streets of Jerusalem looking for a man. Could he find a man? We need men. We need men to stand. We need men to wrestle. We need men to fight. We need men to pray. Oh, you're hitting us hard this morning. Well, you come to me with the word of God and give me one thing that I said this morning, not scripture. What do you, would you think of me as a servant of God? If I wouldn't deliver the message that God gives me in the quiet place and in the night watches. You wouldn't want me to be a hypocrite. And I will not be a hypocrite. And I haven't been here for 33 years to please men. You would expect me to tell you the truth. You would expect me to be honest to the word. Remember the boy the father with the boy in the Gospels when Jesus and the disciples came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. The father brought a boy to him. Listen, listen to the state of this boy. He was foaming at the mouth. He was rolling on the floor. He was gnashing his teeth. He was screeching with a loud voice. He was casting himself into the fire. He had unclean, lewd spirits. In the three Gospels we read of Matthew, Mark and Luke all read. Listen to him again. Foaming at the mouth. If your boy came to you tonight foaming at the mouth. Rolling on the floor. Gnashing of his teeth. Screeching with a loud voice. Casting himself into the fire. Full of an unclean lewd spirit. Ten men couldn't do anything for him. The nine disciples and the, his father couldn't do one thing for him. Jesus says, bring him to me. Bring him to me. That's where we need to bring them, my friend. And that's where we need to leave them, my friend. And that's where we need to howl for them. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the night is turned to day. 
He takes the gloom and fills the soul with glory. All is changed when Jesus comes to stay. There's hope for your boy. There's hope for your girl. There's hope for your husband. There's hope for your wife. There's hope for your church. There's hope for your health. I say this very sorrowful this morning. When our Lord Jesus confronted this man and cast the demons out of him and set him free, I tell you, his father must have rejoiced. And there's men here this morning and you're praying over your sons. I can tell you, and it's not prophetical, but I tell you one day, not very long, you're going to rejoice. You're going to rejoice in the delivering hand of our God. And if we go on praying the way we're praying in these nights, we're going to see deliverances. For our God is able to deliver. If he died and rose again and destroyed death and hell and demons, my friend, then we haven't very much to do, only to claim it. And I'll close with that in a moment. But the Lord said to these disciples that came, why could we not do it? Why could we not set this man free? You see, we're trying to set men and women free. We're trying to do these things in our own strength, in our own flesh. Here's what Jesus says, this kind. But listen, get the word right. This kind cometh forth by nothing. By nothing. Only prayer and fasting. And get the last bit. Fasting. Again, challenge me on the word. Hundreds, I say this with a very sorry heart this morning as we come down to a close. Hundreds, if not thousands of souls will be damned in Northern Ireland because pastors and ministers and elders and deacons and fathers and mothers never donned sackcloth and ashes and fasted for their children. The Bible tells us to mourn and to weep and to howl and to groan and fast between the porch and the altar. An old warrior of the past generation said, the hardest and most difficult thing to do as a Christian is to fast. I mean fast from bread. I mean fast for three days, seven days, 14 days, scripture days, 40 days. Do you think it's, do you think it's, not, it's not for this day? Well, show me. We say it's not for this day because it suits us. The devil doesn't mind us praying we prayers. He doesn't mind us preparing messages. He doesn't mind us preaching in the open air. He doesn't mind us visiting our council. But when it comes to sacrificing the meal, the food, that's a different story. As Nicholson used to say, that's a pig with another snout. And I'm saying to young men in the ministry and young pastors, in the ministry, and those that are, if you want to stay there, for they're fallen like flies, if you want to stay there, if you want to survive, if you want to make a mark on your congregation of people, then you'll need to take up the scripture, what it says. 86 times in the word of God we read about fasting. 56 times in the Old Testament, 30 times in the New Testament. Do you want to hear that again? If it says that about any other thing, we would make sure that we would do it. 
86 times. 56 in the Old Testament, 30 in the New Testament. There's a kind. There's a kind. It may be your boy. It may be that situation you're dealing with. There's a kind that will only come forth. We can preach all we like. We can pray all we like. We can track all we like. This kind. Jesus fasted. Moses fasted. David fasted. Elijah fasted. Hannah fasted. Anna fasted. Luther fasted. Calvin fasted. Wesley fasted. Whitfield fasted. Jonathan Edwards fasted. Brainerd fasted. And those the only ones I could remember. Finney fasted. The Roman Catholics fast. The Muslims fast. Let me tell you, friend, the Hindus fast. Will I tell you this? And it grieved my heart to the very core. There was a missionary out in some of them countries, the Ganges or some of them rivers. And he was going along and he met this woman. And she had a sick child in her arms. And, she, and he knew be the child that the child was very ill. He says, Mother, he had, she, he had another, she had another child. He was five, six years old. He was jumping about, dancing and skipping. And the missionary said to the woman, Dear, you get that child to a doctor. No, she says, I'm going to sacrifice the child in the river. He says, don't sacrifice that child. Don't, 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 don't kill that child. Get that child to a doctor. There's a doctor way up there and he'll be able to help the child. Oh, she said, she said, it's not this child that I'm going to sacrifice. It's this one here. We give to our God the best. We give to our God the best. 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 He deserves anything, he deserves everything. We were spread eagled and stripped naked on that old cross at Calvary. I was reading how they spat on him last night. And how they hammered the thorns down on his brow. The very Son of God, the very Creator, my friend. He deserves our best. If the Holy Spirit was dealing with us, we'd jump out of these cars this morning, we'd fall down on the tarmac and we'd cry to God, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive me the wee bits of the end. After all you've done for us and after all you give to me. You see, fasting has to do with the appetite. The old flesh. Sackcloth has to do with her appearance. The old black gown tied round us. Lying in the ashes. We'll not care what people think. We'll not be looking for suits or ties. In the ashes. Speak of our ambition. I tell you there's nothing as unlovely 
and as useless and as worthless as a heap of ashes. And when you're in the ashes, you're dead. It's amazing in the Word of God the number of times that when men went into fasting and sackcloth and ashes that God answered them. Do you hear me, Pastor, this morning? Do you hear me, some of you retired ministers this morning that never once exercised in all your ministry? It's amazing the number of times and places and things that God broke in the scriptures when men and women, the powers of hell, when men and women went to fast. Let me rhyme them out as I close this morning. Esther, Mordecai, Daniel, David, Jeremiah, Joel, they all broke the power of the devil. The whole nation of Nineveh fasted and wept in sackcloth and ashes and there was revival. Even the ungodly Ahab, he wrought abomination more than any Israel when God's judgment came upon him and God said to him, the dogs are going to lick your blood. He went into sackcloth and fasting and praying. And God said, because he humbled himself, I'll spare him. He says, I'll not bring this evil upon Ahab because he humbled himself in sackcloth and ashes. Whenever Joshua fell at the feet of the great commander in chapter 5 at the end of it there, You know what the Lord said to him? What did the Lord say to him? He says, I have delivered Jericho, the king, and the nation, and all into your hand. I have it done. I have it. All you have to do is to go in and possess it. Friend, it's done this morning. It was done at Calvary this morning. He destroyed death, hell, demons. He rose in the power of an endless life. He put an end to the devil's work at Calvary's cross. The blood cleansed us from all sin. The victory has been won. He says, I have given you the victory. I have given you your child. I have given you your wife. I have given you your, your health. I have given Go in and possess it. Fight for it. Stand for it. Wrestle for it until it comes. Because he'll not do what we can do ourselves. No, no. They couldn't get the walls of Jericho down, but they could march around it. He'll not do. Whenever the water pots were filled with wine, they couldn't turn the water into wine, but they could fill the water pots. And I could go on for ten minutes. He'll not do, my friend, what we can do. He does his bit. He has done his bit. He has done it at Calvary. He is cried finished. He's rose again. He's alive. All power is given unto him in heaven and earth. This power is mine. I claim it. I take it this morning. And I go into battle against the enemy. And I'm going to see victory. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to see the victory won. I'm going to see the revival. And I'm going to see the moving of the Spirit. I'm going to see souls saved. We're going to see young men delivered from drink and drugs and pornography and filth. We're going to see it if we hold on, if we stand in the gap and we fight and stand and stand up like men and face the foe. Thank you.
for listening to me. And I pray the Lord will bless this message to some hearts this morning. Father, O God, our Father, Thou knowest how we have unburdened our heart this morning. And how thou hast laid these scriptures upon us, Lord, that we were denied in our early days. These scriptures that we never saw and were told to get saved and everything's all right. But, oh God, we're going out to the judgment seat. We're called to fight. We're called as soldiers. We're called to stand against the enemy. And having done all to stand in the power of his might and in his mighty power. Lord God, our Father, as we go to remember you, those of us this morning, let us praise you for Calvary and praise you for the cross. And bless thy people, O God, and release from bondage those that are trapped with demonology and powers and hellish spirits. We bind them, resist them, and pray that the walls will fall down flat and they'll be exposed and they'll be eradicated and victory will come. We ask these things in the Saviour's name and for his sake. Amen.